We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com to start winning. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, we are talking about a Nets win, 116-104 with the Pistons. Thank God for Kevin Durant. How are we feeling, Jack? Yeah, it's been hot here in Melbourne, Nick, but there's nothing hotter, hotter right now than Kevin Durant. You know, you could go to the goddamn sun and it still wouldn't be hotter than Mr. Wayne Durant. Yeah, uh, he was wearing a hoodie, like a zip-up after the game. I mean, like, how is that possible, man? You're scorching. We're talking about 51 points in this game. Plenty to talk about in this one. But as always, you can find the buzz on all string platforms. Jack, I guess we start with that dominant fourth quarter. Nets just cooked them 30-13 to in favor of Brooklyn. Yeah, it was the defense that sort of did it there, Nick. But I'm going to change tack. I'm taking over. We're talking about Kevin freaking Durant. Come on, mate. It's a 50-piece. There's only a, a few of those that we've been able to cover in you know, our, our history of the Brooklyn buzz. You know, One of them including the Karis LeVert one, a couple of Kyrie ones. And this one from Kevin Durant was, was something special. And, you know, after the game, Michael Grady's asking him, he's like, you know, did you know you were on you know, 49 points? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, KD knows. And, and Steve Nash knows the sort of pageantry of the game. I thought that was fun that he was able to stay out there. But going through his total box score, 51 points, nine assists, seven boards, one steal, two blocks, 14 of 15 from the free throw line. Got that three-pointer going again, yep. five of 10 from three, 16 of 31 from the field. Nick, where does this 50-piece, I guess, rank for you among ones that in recent history? You know, the Karis Avert one, as I mentioned, you know, you probably, I think you saw one of the Kyrie Irving ones yep. uh, live in person as well. How does this compare to all of them? Yeah, I mean, this one is obviously the most recent, so it's going to be fresh. But obviously, it's a game against the Pistons, so it's not carrying as much weight. But it felt like he was doing so much to really carry this team in so many different ways. Cause I thought defensively he was really good in this game. And also we were kind of talking before we hopped on just like so many players played poorly for the nets and they needed this. They needed this 51 points from Kevin Durant or they don't win. I think, you know, it's up there, but the Karis Levert one is pretty crazy because it was like a 20-point comeback. It looked like the Nets were about to get cooked. And even the second Kyrie 50-point game where it's after the death of Kobe Bryant, and he has like that crazy, one of the most efficient 50-point games in NBA history, actually. But this is still, obviously, 
You're never going to complain about anyone scoring 50 points. You're never going to complain about Kevin Durant playing for the Brooklyn Nets because if he's on your team, you have a chance to win, no matter how bad the rest of the team is playing. Exactly. The the dom- I think a, a lot of us were sort of worried, you know, in the sort of first half. I think you had like something around 38 or something in the first yeah. half or something ridiculous in the mid to high 30s. And the Nets were down and they were struggling to, to get some stops and take care of the basketball. And we're like... Are we really going to waste the KD masterpiece, you know, on uh, over here down in Detroit? You know, he broke the Little Caesars record, I think, breaking, uh, breaking I think, uh, Blake Griffin's record. His eighth 50-point performance. I think the fifth highest ever tying Vince Carter and our boy Karis LeVert for 51 points uh, at, in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. But he was just otherworldly, Nick. And, you know, a lot of people are sort of talking up, you know, the babyface assassin out in Golden State. But... I don't see you know, him doing having the level of consistency that I think KD has had this season. I'm just going to put it out there. You know, the worst Kevin Durant game that we've seen like, was probably against those Golden State Warriors, and he still put up what like 18 to 20 points, something like that. Whereas Steph, when Steph is bad, Steph is putrid. He can't impact the game in any form or fashion because partly because of his size and and that. But Kevin Durant just does so much, and he did everything for this team tonight. And he was in a little bit of foul trouble. And I believe Stephen Nash was saying to the Nets media that they debated taking him out after that fifth foul. Thank God that they didn't because, you know, he was immense defensively. And, you know, I mentioned on the pod with uh, Sanya uh, on the previous one that I just, I'm astounded by the defensive capabilities of Kim and Durant right now, uh, especially when the team gets into, you know, their best lineups and, and just switch everything. That's when Katie looks amazing. Clax looks amazing. You got uh, James Johnson out there on occasion, but tonight it was Bruce Brown doing his thing there too. Uh, he was simply incredible. There was shot after shot after shot. You know, there was a trend. Uh, my, there was probably a pull-up three in the face. I think it was of Cunningham. Uh, I can't remember if it was Cunningham or another player that I absolutely loved. And then there was the transition play where... Only two players I know would do this, and it's KD and it's Cam Thomas. They'll take pull-up mid-ranges from the elbow rather than driving to the line or taking the transition three. And they were just gorgeous. The, well, he, it's a layup a, for Kevin Durant, so it's okay. It, it is. <laughs> like, he's shooting 53% on shots uh, 10 feet and beyond, which is just incredible. He's playing historic basketball, Nick. And I think this is a game that you know, we're going to remember for a very long time. And I think it's a bit of a statement game heading into Monday when the national media platforms are talking their talk. Steph's had a bit of a bad weekend. My boy Matisse Steibel absolutely locked his ass up. And we got KD on the up and up. Yes, it was against the Pistons, but 50 pieces aren't easy to come by, Nick, no matter who they're against. And this was a truly dominant game. 41 minutes, whatever. KD's allowed it. He's having a, a bit of a rest here and there as well. James Harden got the rest tonight. You know, he paid 25 grand for having a bit of a go at some of the Atlanta Hawks fans. He can chirp at whatever the hell he wants to say. He's Kevin freaking Durant. What a game. Yeah, and I think another thing you hinted at early on, Jack, was the three-point shooting. Started to look good. You know, he's been a little reluctant to take threes lately. Some of that, I think, is just the Nets offense having issues generating open threes. But tonight, 5 of 10, looked confident, was looking for that shot, especially in, like, ISO and pull-up situations. And we just haven't seen that as much this season. So I think that's a promising sign. And you kind of alluded to it as well, Jack. When the Nets are switching, I think that's when you truly take advantage of Kevin Durant's versatility, his ability to switch through 1 through 5 on ball and then when the Nets are pre-switching he's able to kind of cover up some of those mistakes and he also provides you that weak side rim protection sometimes and just his length in the passing lanes is just so impactful really really great performance like you said MVP wise I think this is a big game for him and obviously Steph hasn't been playing as well lately and I think also 
you look at it when the Nets rest Kevin Durant versus when they rest James Harden. Obviously, the Nets don't play well, but they won this game without James Harden. They played Houston a few nights ago. They lost by double digits without Kevin Durant. That does say something, in my opinion. Yeah, when Kevin Durant was out there on the floor, the Nets were plus 25, for God's sake. Not too bad. And, and funnily enough, the rookie, Cam Thomas, was plus 27. We will definitely get to Killy Cam uh, in a moment. But I, I I want to speak on this for as long as we can, but I know you've got a Packers game to watch. I'm going to try and be as, as succinct as possible. But it was a, an otherworldly performance from Kevin Durant. He's best in a Brooklyn Nets uniform, something I'm not going to forget for a long time. Uh, and I'm glad that I was able to view it because it was something special. And he just did everything, you know, he was the every time he was out there, you know, the Nets were losing. Katie comes back in, hits some big buckets, whether it's a three, whether it's a two, whether he gets to the line. You know, the, as he said after the game, you know, the, he wasn't getting as d- doubled as much. So he's like, okay, well, my life's a little bit easier. I can get buckets, you know, in any form or fashion. You know, Rodney Magruder, really? Like, we're going to get this guy to Magruder on guarding me for, for God's sakes. And that, that ain't it, but um, masterful, masterful performance. I think to. To say in the last pod that I need to like learn a new language to think of more superlatives and attitudes for Kevin Durant, and he keeps pulling these kind of performances. Um, it's it's something special. Are you surprised the Pistons didn't start like hard doubling Kevin Durant when he passed half court? Like I was just amazed that they didn't, especially with how poorly the rest of the Nets were playing. Look, it was uh, an interesting decision for it not to happen because we've seen it be you know, an effective method for a lot of other teams out there, you know, especially of late. You know, get the ball out of Kevin Durant's hands because the shot making outside of the Brooklyn Nets, you know, outside of other guys tonight, isn't really there. Yeah, you've got you know Cam Thomas and Bruce Brown getting some open flows here and there. Patty Mills, I thought, was pretty solid tonight. Marcus Aldridge was okay, uh, but I just thought that that wasn't the best strategy. But Kevin Durant just knows how to impact the game and you know in any form or fashion. He knows how to read what a defense is giving him and what the defense was giving him a lot more room, a lot more breathing space tonight. Uh, and in a lot of occasions, they were just a, a bit over-exuberant. You know, he could... That's Isaiah Stewart uh, was unlucky not to get a, a flagrant on, on the closeout on a KD3. You know, I mean, that could have been a flagrant just on that play quickly. Like, that could have been a flagrant on Isaiah Stewart or Frank Jackson. I thought Frank Jackson's closeout was even more reckless. He kicked him in the back of the Achilles. Like, a guy who's coming off a torn Achilles, obviously the refs aren't looking for that aspect. But it was just like, man, if that's not a reckless closeout, then I'm not sure what is. I I totally agree. And I, <laughs> I, 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 it just shows you. And I think Kevin Durant was in, a, we've sort of seen of like, I, I, I like reading the mood of Kevin Durant during a game and sort of seeing what he's like. Against the Atlanta Hawks, he was in a bit of a feisty sort of combative mood. Tonight he looked to be in a bit more of a fun, sort of jovial sort of mood. And, you know, he was having a bit of fun with Hamadou Diallo uh, and, and some other guys out there. And he was just loving loving life. And I think all, all Nets fans were after that performance. It was truly incredible. Uh, one of the, the great games that we have ever seen and ever recorded and ever recapped on this Brooklyn Buzz. Yeah, and just one reca- recap quickly of the stat line again. 51 points on 51% from the field and 50% from three, 93% from the free throw line, throwing nine assists and seven rebounds. If guys could hit a couple more shots, he'd easily have a double-double in this one too. He could have had a triple-double as well if he had a couple more boards here and there as well. It was something special. I said that a million times, but maybe you might have to give that the name of the pod, Nick. Something special from KD.
Yeah, and I think it was also like a great two-way performance. I think that'll kind of get missed because someone scores 51. But like defensively, he was a huge impact, especially in that fourth quarter, along with that closing lineup they played out there. And and obviously that's what made the difference in the fourth, that they won 30-13. They just straight up clamped the Pistons down to the point where they couldn't generate a good shot for the first couple minutes of the fourth. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, it was superb, and a lot of that was Kevin Durant's leadership. You can just see that switching is just what suits this Nets team so much. Obviously, we've seen a lot of other schemes, and we sort of touched on it a little bit you know, uh, earlier in the pod, but just the, that's what the Nets were last year. But then they now have even greater capabilities to do it because Clax is hitting his finest form and, fi- and finest conditioning. Bruce was at his phys- physical best tonight. James Johnson is a better defender than a Jeff Green, not as good an offensive player, but him in a switching scheme is truly impactful. And when him and Clax are on the floor together, I put that tweet out, the Nets have a nice. 20.2 defensive rating. It's something truly insane. So you just, you see, it's almost just like the Nets are, are keeping some cheat codes behind them. It's yeah. like, all right, well, let's just, let's just run the switch in the last 12 minutes of the game. It's just like, why don't we do that for a longer period of the game? Why do we need to go to lineups that have Bembry, Brown, and Javon Carter out there? All, I don't think Javon and Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge. That was probably one of the worst lineups we've seen all season. Um, not, you know, to throw shots at those guys. It's just like where they're at, their skill sets, how they mix and match. Like, there is no offensive creation, and it's just a struggle. And I think even Patty Mills swapped out for Javon Carter at one point. And even still, you're not really getting that creation. And, like, Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge just don't work. We know that already. That's kind of a known fact. So, like, stagger the minutes between James Johnson and Claxton with those guys because I think that's even more acceptable. I think Claxton and LaMarcus could even work just because Clax is so versatile defensively and LaMarcus is able to kind of stretch the floor with the shooting. So uh, that, was, that was just really weird stuff from Steve Nash. It was just bad coaching. It was, and and we've also seen Aldridge and Johnson work quite a bit in in a yeah. lot of you know closing performances as well. So it's just like you you don't need to do anything different here here, um, Steve Stephen. I'll call him Stephen for those decisions. Uh, but yeah, then I, I, I took some notes, Nick. That I think they had six turnovers in less than four minutes, and the Pistons got thirteen points off those turnovers, and they had ten turnovers in that third quarter alone. It was. One of the worst quarters of basketball I've seen the Nets play. And they were only outscored by eight points because you, know, you throw Kevin Durant in there for a couple of minutes and it evens things out a little bit. Yeah. Cam Thomas does a few things. Paddy Mills scores a couple of threes. I mean, it, it allows the ascendancy to change somewhat, but uh, it was uh, some pitiful basketball. And a lot of it was just like the, the, no ball handlers. And it's just like yeah. you need someone who's capable of dribbling a basketball because even the Pistons... I think are a feisty enough team. You know, I think that they've got some some defensive talent. I think that that's where 
lesser talented teams gain an ascendancy by getting turnovers, by being feisty, deflections, all this sort of jazz. But I uh, want to keep it on the positive, Nick. Should we get to our boy Killer Cam? Yeah, well, just I guess one more point on that, Jack, before we move on to the positive, is they had 28 points off turnovers. Like, the Pistons are not a good offense. Without those points off turnovers, they're not having a good game. Like, they just struggle to score the basketball because of the talent they have, and obviously a lot of these guys are super young. And they shot 42% from the field and 37% from three. And without those easy transition layups, like you mentioned, Jack, you said it was, what, six turnovers in four minutes? A lot of those turned into literal wide-open layups on the other end for them. And that's just something you can't do because that allows a team like the Pistons to get back in it, and along with that lineup as well. Because I think if Nash handles that that stretch of the game a little bit better, it might just be an easier win for the Nets. No, I totally agree, Nick. And I think in the first half, the shots uh, somewhere near 42%. I put it on my time. I can't remember the stat uh, perfectly. They're somewhere near 42% from three. So the Nets did turn it up a little bit uh, in the in the second half, but they are the second worst three-point shooting team in the league. They're only shooting, a, I think, about 31 or a little bit over 31% uh, from the perimeter. So the Nets defense, it just shows you that the Nets defense is a really important thing to their identity right now. Um, and we're sort of seeing, we've seen different iterations of that in terms of point of attack defense, switching defense. And I think the switching defense is where, as a team, they look the best. You get individual moments out of a, a Bruce Benbury or a, or a Patty Mills getting some steals and, and, and that sort of thing. But as a team, switching just works so well. And it suits the capabilities of the line when you've got Clax, when you've got Johnson, when you've got Bruce and or Benbury. Benbury's playing a little bit better. Obviously, KD as well. And James Harden, obviously, you know, he has to switch. That's the only defensive scheme where he looks somewhat capable. But Nick Killer Cam, this kid is he's something else. I'm gonna guess this is a career high 29 minutes for him. Um, I'm not sure of that stat off the top of my head, but I know he had about 25 recently. My boy's looking it up for me now as I go through the rest of the box score. Yep. Six of 11 from the field, one of four from three, and that three, <laughs> that three was just so Cam Thomas. I loved it. I was just yelping when he hit it. He had three assists, four boards, had a steal as well, plus 27 on the night. For, and to go with the 13 points, Cam Thomas, Nick, is uh, he's something He's something else. I love this kid so goddamn much. Yeah, I love Cam. I wanted him to see him take more shots. And actually, his career high in minutes came against the Rockets with 32. So pretty close. But also, I felt like in this game, I wanted to see Cam Thomas get more touches and opportunities to run the offense a little bit, especially during that like stagnant stretch. We just talked about the lineup of you know Brown, Bembry, Patty Mills, LaMarcus, and Blake. I think that's a lineup where... You put Cam out there. You put him out there with some veterans that can kind of contain him to an extent and let him run, you know, some pick and roll, some pick and pop, whatever it is. And I think sometimes they don't utilize him enough. And it looks like Katie's the guy that kind of gets Cam going. And obviously we know about that relationship and what that means to Cam. And I think that just kind of helps get him going when you have the infusion of confidence from an all-time great score. And I think another thing about Cam, and we've talked about this, we mentioned a little bit, his defense being passable and being solid at different points is really crucial, especially when they're playing some of the switching stuff. His ability to battle a little bit more, I think, is not something I anticipated. Just like a play in my head pops up from the Hawks game where he's battling with John Collins in the post, preventing that entry pass, turns into a terrible possession for the Hawks. And I think that's where Cam needs to get more credit. Obviously, we know what he can do offensively, but I think this extra energy and these effort plays are something I didn't necessarily anticipate from a guy that was a star in college. Pick 27, Nick. Pick <laughs> freaking 27. We got this young goddamn stud, and we know all the offensive capabilities that he possesses. He's a three-level scorer. You know, he had that breakout three-point shooting performance against the Hawks. 
Now he had the, the incredible three at, uh, I think it was 108.95, which continued to give the Nets momentum. And he was running in transition alongside KD and have a, a couple of really nice reverses. And I know someone on Nets Twitter pointed out to the fact that that's an incredibly heady play, you know, pr- protecting the ball from the defender, not getting blocked. You know, it's something that we've spoken about with Joe Harris a lot in, in certain occasions where he just, just st- does straight line drives. Uh, doesn't have the capabilities there, but he's got a floater as well. He's got everything. This kid is just something else. And the point out the defense, I think, is really warranted. Uh, we heard you know, a lot of you know draft scouts and all these sort of people say, you know, well, he's just a gunner. He's a Lou Williams type. He's this sort of guy where it's just like, look, Cam's got a little bit more than just being sort of this Jordan Clarkson, Lou Williams sort of type. He's got a bit more size about him, a little bit more strength about him a little bit more attitude to sort of just... And I think that a bit of that is the Kevin Durant mentorship, I think. I think it's demanding standards out of him. If you're going to be out here in in crunch time, the best performance of the Nets season, I think, was that Atlanta Hawks game. Cam Thomas was a big part of, a big part of it. You know, we saw him again tonight, you know, in the Pistons game, being out there and closing the game. When he's been out there closing, the Nets have been playing incredible basketball, and he led the team in plus-minus. You know, the plus-minus is a, is a whole stat in itself, you know, tonight. We sort of chatted about it beforehand. It's just like when the Nets had their good players out there, they were dominating, and we yep. spoke about it. You know, it was Paddy Mills, it was Kevin Durant, it was Nicholas Claxton, it was Cam Thomas, uh, and to a lesser extent, James Johnson. So it was uh, a great performance from Kevin. He's continuing to improve. You know, he's continuing to show that, you know, Nets fans are like, look, we don't have James Harden out there tonight. We don't have a capable ball handler and shot creator outside of Paddy Mills, who I thought was overexerted in the 35 minutes that he was given, though he was still effective. Uh, and I thought his facilitation was something I thought was quite nice tonight. But Cam Thomas, I think his facilitating has been pretty good, Nick. You point out his defense. I think he's making the right pass and the yeah. right decisions as well. Yeah, he might, you know, wave off a Kevin Durant three or, or, or an open KD or open James Harden, but you love the confidence in him. KD certainly loved that in the post game uh, after the Hawks one as well. But he's making the right passes. You know, guys that are cutting, you know, he's not forcing up shots. You know, he's getting rid of the ball when the defense is, you know, uh, capable and, and hounding him. Uh, he's just playing good quality basketball. And for a rookie, that, that is pretty tough. You know, and tonight you had a guy like Cade Cunningham who I thought was, you know, pretty solid but and, and, and played some quality basketball. But, you know, he looked to be in a similar elite sort of class of player as a Cade Cunningham. You know, he's, I don't think, a, a Mobley, a Scotty Barnes, a, a Cade Cunningham sort of type. But I'd be, I'd be pressed... Pressed to say that he'd probably be in that sort of second-rung Tier B or Tier 2 of rookies this season in terms of what he's doing uh, for a winning organization, which I think is tough to say as well. Yeah, I think that's also where a lot of the question marks were, Cam. Obviously, we don't want to turn this into a draft podcast, but it was like, how can he contribute to winning if he's not the guy? And I think that's what you're seeing in some of these other effort plays. And like you said, the passing is a little bit better. Three assists tonight, and every once in a while, he'll throw a pass. You're like, damn, that was actually some good vision. Like, that's a tough pass to make. So I think, and I've, I've preached this for, I think, like the last 10 episodes is like, his development is going to be a crucial piece for the Nets as the season progresses, especially if there's not necessarily a move or if Kyrie Irving doesn't come back because he provides some ball handling, he provides some playmaking, some offensive pop, and just someone you need out there. And the three-point shots is consistent right now. Hopefully, you can kind of get more consistent as it progresses. But, Jack, who do you want to speak about next? I think it's worth speaking about Nick Clarkson because it yep. might have been the best two-point performance I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I mean, Clax's switchability is just a huge factor, and we talked about it before. The Nets going to switching utilizes 
arguably their most talented defender. Somebody at his size moving the way that he moves is really incredible to watch, especially the defense we saw against Trey Young against Atlanta. Tonight, it felt like some of those Pistons guards didn't do their scouting report because they had no idea that Clax was going to clamp him up. Yeah, it's just like, all right, I'm going to cross this guy over and not gain any advantage at all because Clax's lateral quickness and lateral movement is truly elite. Again, two points, Nick. Two rebounds, two steals, two blocks. Uh, and, and both of those uh, were free throws, funny enough, both of those points, which is uh, rare. In the fourth a, quarter, too. Yeah, very, very important free throws as well. You know, I think he was fighting off uh, an offensive board. So you can just see that Klax is peaking. This is twenty in 23 minutes as well. I think he had about 19 uh, in the Hawks game. So this is the, the minute range you know, where we saw LaMarcus Aldridge had 25. 25 and 23 for, for those two is exactly what you want. You know, Klax might even overtake LaMarcus Aldridge in a certain point in time if they need a little bit more defense, depending on how the game dictates itself offensively and defensively. That's just a nice little balance there for, from those two. But it, it was just it's superb. It is... It's a, it's a joy to watch how he just impacts the game on a defensive side of the ball. It's just like he, he relishes that. He relishes it like KD hitting a pull-up three or Marcus hitting a mid-range. You know, you don't get anything in the, in the box score uh, and, you know, people that probably are box score fiends and, and the casuals aren't going to be like, oh, Nicholas Claxton only had two points and two rebounds. What kind of game did he really have? Watch the game and you see how dominant he was. He was dominant tonight, Nick. Yeah, and defensively, not only the switching, but I think also his rim protection is starting to move forward a little bit. You're seeing him contest shots and really impact. And you mentioned, you know, the offensive rebounds. He had two of those tonight and then drew a foul. I think that's an area where he's starting to kind of find a way to have an impact of the game, especially when he's getting sagged off so much. He's able to kind of take advantage of his quickness and get into a position where they can't box him out. Now they're forced to put hands on him, and now he has a better chance of drawing that foul and just finding other ways to impact the game. And I think that's the development of Nick Claxton. Like, he's... His offense isn't going to turn. He's not going to turn into some offensive weapon from three or something in the course of the season, but he can develop further in some other areas that could be minor, but end up having a big impact for the team. And I think even just improvements on the short roll, there was a good possession against the Hawks. There was a couple okay possessions tonight. That's what you want to see. You want to see the mental development for Clax. No, definitely. And I think that you, you look at what Jared Allen's doing in Cleveland right now. He's essentially doing everything that he did in Brooklyn, plus a couple of nifty little hook shots here and there, as well as showing probably a, a level of switchability that you know not many big men can rival. Probably Clax is, is a, a bit more elite in that department. But it shows, and he's playing he's playing all-star level basketball. Nicholas Claxton's playing all-defense-level basketball when he is out there. Uh, and he's just a, a net positive. Uh, and yep. it just shows you that... We've spoken about in season previews. You can go back to them and re-listen to them. I might have to tonight just see what I said about Claxton. I'm pretty sure we said the Nets can be transformative with Nicholas Claxton, a true ceiling laser. And that's what you get out of youth. That's what you get out of talent. That's what Cam Thomas gives you, like you alluded to, Nick, in terms of his development. That's what you get out of Nicholas Claxton, a third-year player, uh, and him coming back from injury. I think a lot of credit should go to Nicholas Claxton for being able to make such a big impact in only, what is it, five games since returning from injury? Yeah. Something around that department. Uh, it's, a, it's a credit to him, and it's also, I think, a credit to the way that Nets have been managing him. I think Steve Nash deserves a bit of credit there, as well as the department behind the scenes. Uh, if he can, he can start to impact the game and, you know, come postseason or come, you know, important games, you know, on Christmas Day or uh, against bigger teams like the Sixers or whatever... Uh, maybe that not, might, might not be the matchup for Clax, but you want Nicholas Claxton to be peaking at the important times. And, you know, we're 27 games in the season. The Nets are, are still number one 
in the East and things are happening for them. I think that these little role player things, uh, like you alluded to with Cam, Nick, just to repeat it, uh, are important because we don't know. There are a lot of unknowns around, you know, James Harden and him getting himself back to full form and Kyrie Irving and a lot of injury sort of stuff. But what you can control is what what is happening within the team. Now, there's some positive signs. And I think Bruce uh, goes alongside that as well. Yeah, I thought Bruce really stepped up in the fourth quarter. I put out a tweet. It felt like defense turned up by two. You know, it's just like that extra energy, that extra juice. And he was really just kind of like stiffing some of the Pistons drivers. Like they were just making contact with his chest and just getting to a halt or almost forcing them to turn the ball over because it was like a really running into a concrete wall. So credit to Bruce who had eight points, four of seven from the field, five rebounds, one assist. And I think you just start to see him play better when he's in better lineups. When you put him in those terrible space lineups or the lineups that lack the creation, he's going to struggle. But when he's in the correct lineup, he's going to be utilized properly and be able to kind of excel. And you know the best lineups of you know with KD or Patty Mills and these with a little bit extra spacing, given the Nets don't really have a lot, and you got Cam Thomas out there. You know Bruce has open lanes to hit his floater, to hit yep. his patented sort of shots, you know to be you know, a force on the boards, and that's what he was like tonight. And I thought he was great against the Atlanta Hawks and backing up against the Pistons, his former team. You know was was super important as well. Yet. I'm super surprised he didn't have a steal or a block at all because it felt like he had two of each, you know, and some of his tenacity. He probably forced like three or four turnovers. Easily, easily. And I think that you sort of touched on it, Nick, and I'm going to steal your point because you're a lot smarter than me, so I need to sound <laughs> smart. Um, but if, if he's starting to learn and be impact physically like he was at the start of the season pre-injury, you know, his yeah. physicality there was a big reason, you know, and the, the whistle sort of being, and he sort of adjusted to, whether it's a new whistle or just whether it's, you know, a, a greater understanding of the, the game style that's currently happening. Uh, but he's letting his physicality uh, be on show as well. And uh, Bruce is an important part of the, the team. And when James Harden comes back uh, and you increase the spacing a little bit more, then I think Bruce can increase even more as a, an offensive force because he's been really important defensively uh, and a really good rebounder. And when Benbury, you know, isn't having his best game, and I don't think he was great tonight, he had some moments uh, having Bruce there. Uh, is certainly a, a really nice ace, king, queen to have up your sleeve. Yeah, and I think the floater's starting to come to life a little bit. You know, we saw it like, more in the Hawks game. We saw a couple tonight. And like you said, when Harden's back, you'll see him utilize a little bit more. And I think, obviously, Bruce is capable of using that short roll. And I think if he's out there with clacks, he could throw the oop rather than some of the other guys where there's not really an option. It just gets really crowded. But again, when he's in the right lineups, things will work out a lot better. I guess moving over to Patty Mills, uh, 18 points, 7 of 17 from the field, 4 of 10 from 3, 5 assists, 3 rebounds, 1 steal. I thought Patty in the first half wasn't amazing, but then turned it up in the second half. He, he was, Nick. And I thought that some of his... Some of the lineups that he was in weren't great, and I yeah. think that, that was, there was a lot being asked of him to be just the, the offensive engine, you know, and, and sort of creating for not only himself but for others. Um, and he did some nice things. You know, there was some some big three balls. There was the old, uh, the old semi-pro play that we saw, yeah. KD to Paddy, KD to Paddy, KD to Paddy, KD to Paddy, Paddy for three, um, which I thought was, was a lot of fun. I put a tweet out it. there. I tried to find that. Yeah, I thought it was a heap of fun. Um, I've, 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 tried to, I've tried so hard to find that clip, and I eventually did find it. Um, but And I think that you see him, we sort of talk about, you know, the steal and layup that he gets. You know, another one of his pattern and sort of moves is just getting ahead of the defense and yep. getting open layups. You know, whether he's like, all right, there's going to be a missed three or there's going to be a missed shot, I'm just going to run ahead of everyone and get an open layup. 
And he did that incredibly tonight. I thought some of his facilitation was quite good in the pick and roll. Uh, something we haven't really seen a lot of, but obviously he had a bigger burn of that in the absence of James Harden. So I thought that was positive to see. Uh, but yeah, a really important performance because, you know, in the absence of, of James, you know, 35 minutes of him and he was plus 12 on the night. You know, five assists is something that sticks out to me of this game in comparison to other ones. But, you know, got the three ball going again, 40% from there. Uh, Paddy Mills is... It's continuing to impact the game for the Nets. You know, he wasn't amazing against the Hawks. I thought this game was a little bit better uh, because the three ball obviously was a bit more there uh, as well as a bit of facilitation. You know, he had, I think he had a, uh, he did have a steal and I think it was an important sort of swipe steal or whatever. I think his defense has been really, really solid uh, and really, really important as well. Um, Paddy continues to be a great leader and Nick, uh, juicy. It was juicy from him. Yeah, it was juicy. I think the thing about him defensively is he flies. Like, he flies on the rotations with a contest and just tries to have an impact. Obviously, on ball, he's going to have the issues with bigger guys, but he's always willing to kind of take that contact and fight. Occasionally, he'll draw the offensive foul, too. I think uh, you mentioned, Jack, with the facilitation, just being able to kind of run the dribble handoff, get the ball to Kevin Durant, something that seems easy but is important to do when other guys struggle doing that tonight. So credit to Patty. And like you said, in the second quarter, that lineup puts too much pressure on him to score. But when he was running pick and pop with LaMarcus, they were able to generate a couple good looks for LMA. It's like a worse version of the Boomers team because the Boomers team has like a Joey Ingles, a Jock Londale, a Matisse Stiebel, and a Dante Exum. The Nets had like, what was it? It was Bembry, it was Blake, it was LA, um, and it was Bruce. And it was Brown, I think, yeah. I, I think the Boomers team, you know, at the Olympics that we saw this year is a little bit better than that. So uh, that's saying something. But in, yeah, I think that we know that Patty and, and LA have the really nice chemistry and you could see that Paddy was was happy. He was like, yeah, I got that dime. To, I got LA in his spots for the mid-range jumper. So it's about sort of not overexerting all of these guys, Nick, and, and giving you know, the, co- the coaching staff doing a, a a more capable job. It's just like you get – we don't – it's give sort of Patty like – Give Paddy Cam at least. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and obviously you get Paddy James, you get Paddy Joe. You're two guys who I think where Paddy's going to have a, an ease burden on the perimeter – as well as the ball handling and facilitation. But, yeah, I think that's where the coaching staff need to be better. Not not do dumb shit, <laughs> not, not to be yeah. explicit about it. Don't throw weird and wacky lineups that are just like, well, what do you expect out of Paddy Mills here? He's not James Harden, Kevin Durant, Luka Doncic. You can't expect him to be. You know, this isn't the 2021 Olympics. Um, but in saying that, you know, the for the most part, you know, uh, Paddy was really, really positive tonight. Yeah, I think obviously he's been a crucial part to this team with obviously the absence of Kyrie and Joe Harris being hurt and you're resting James Harden tonight. Uh, James Johnson, we could touch on him quickly. Four points, two or three from the field, five rebounds, five assists. I think you saw a little bit of point James Johnson, but I, he didn't look as spry in this game as he looked in some of the past contests. Yeah, look, there was moments for him, you know, where I, it was an incredible sort of move that he got towards the basket and, and he missed it. It seemed to be a bit emblematic of some of his play this year, but he's also, you know, hit some, some, some decent buckets here and there as well. His facilitation, he loves a behind the back bounce pass. And I must admit they look quite pretty as well. Um, and, and the rebounding continued to, to be really solid as well. You know, I think he deserved, and I think it was the right move to put him in the starting line, be to in, yeah. just ease the, the burden of ball handling off Paddy Mills, Kevin Durant and, and those sort of guys. Um, I, I still think that he was a positive, and you know the the box uh, plus minus reflects that with plus seven on the night. Didn't close the game like he has been of late, but I think that was a good decision from Steve Nash because I think that Bruce just was giving you more on the piston sort of guards and ball handlers uh, than James Johnson against some bigger guys like a John Collins in the Atlanta Hawks game. So 
Uh, I, th- I still think James Johnson uh, was positive tonight, and uh, he's still playing some really positive basketball for this Nets team uh, in the rotation. You know, if he once he goes to the bench, I think that's when he can be a bit more of a weapon. Yeah, yeah, obviously, like you said, Jack, solid stuff, nothing crazy. I think James Johnson's starting to give the Nets just a solid rotation piece. But what did you got? One thing I wanted to point out, uh, in my notes, I did have uh, at 49-48, he had a, a drive and, uh, and, and fake off. I think it was Killian Hayes. Faked him, got him up in the air, and just finished it uh, quite nicely. Old man basketball right there. Old man sort of like, you know, YMCA basketball. It's the sort of stuff that I have to pull to, to get my buckets. But my handle certainly uh, isn't as good as JJ. I'll put it that way. Um, yeah, he, He's giving you little bits and pieces uh, here and there. Uh, so I still think he's uh, he's become an important part of this Nets rotation. Yeah, and he can eat little guard sometimes. You know what I mean? Just kind of use that physicality. Like you said, handling's good enough. Has an array of moves kind of in the post with the fakes. Something you don't mind seeing. But I guess moving over to LaMarcus, 15 points, 4 of 8 from the field, 6 of 6 in the free throw line, 1 of 1 from 3, 5 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 block, 4 turnovers. Uh, not a bad game from him, but definitely felt like the physicality at times was disrupting him. Yeah, it seemed to me that, like, you look at the box score here, and it's just like, well, this is just typical L.A., I thought that, and you know, he was decent rebounder ball. He hit the three ball. He uh, got to the free throw line quite a bit. Now, uh, but and I thought that you know some of his defense wasn't too bad either. I don't think it was all a, a putrid defensive game from from LA tonight. But I don't think he was utilized in the best fashion either. You know, he was asked to be when whenever it's James Harden or KD are out, he's asked to be an offensive hub. And yeah. yes, he, he he can score. But he can't really be an offensive hub. Not many big men can be. He's not Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic. Um, he's a 37-year-old coming off a, a heart condition, returning from premature retirement. But still saying that, I still think he's been you know, incredibly uh, positive and incredibly impactful uh, on the offensive side of the basketball. But I don't think you know this matchup allowed him to be as impactful as he was previously in different matchups. Yeah, and I think it also is... Uh, important to point out that like not having James Harden just another ball handler another you know pick and pop guy that can generate that offense for him like you said he can't be an offensive hub on his own but if you are generating him you know 12 wide open mid-range jumpers that's good offense right now for the Nets given some of the limitations this roster has so not his best game but I wouldn't say it was a bad game solid stuff and LaMarcus is just like a guy that's going to go out there and give you pretty good minutes you already you essentially know what you're getting every time he steps on the court like there's limitations with his foot speed and his defense but his offensive mid-range shot and obviously we saw that corner three tonight just something you kind of want to continue to see from LMA. Definitely. Nick, in terms of Bembry, Carter, David Duke Jr., Blake Griffin, uh, what did you think of, what were any takeaways from those guys tonight? Yeah, Bembry was okay. Not necessarily his most impactful game defensively. I thought, you know, some of the screens kind of got him off and he just wasn't necessarily as good defensively as we've seen him play. Javon Carter, not a good game for him. I haven't really seen him play good basketball in a while. Blake Griffin, it's hard to say he played poorly, just given he was put into a situation where he's just not going to excel, playing alongside LaMarcus Aldridge. But Blake, it's going to be hard for him to have impactful minutes without you know seeing regular minutes because it just seems like he's that type of player. Yeah, I don't understand why he keeps getting booed. Uh, it's a bit weird. And uh, Javon Carter, yeah, I think that you could probably make an argument that David Duke is a more impactful player, even though his... Offensive capabilities aren't necessarily there yet. I think he needs a little bit more G League time to get his confidence going. Um, you know, if Javon Carter isn't giving you much of anything, Nick, so I think that that's where it's just like, okay, you know, I've heard people sort of say that you know he's a good guy, I mean, a good guy in the locker room and a good guy in practice to sort of 
allow Cam Thomas to increase his development because going up against a, a guy of his defensive capabilities in practice certainly makes things tough and, and, and gets him some good reps here and there. Uh, and, and Benbury, you know, I thought had his moments tonight, but again, I don't think he was putting good lineups uh, to be impactful. I don't think his defense was as sharp tonight. I think that, yeah. you know, whether that's a, a level of, you know, being overburdened, you know, with the starters or whatever, I'm not sure, but I don't think he was as impactful or as, as positive, as a net positive uh, on that end of the floor. But we still did a couple of nice things here and there. Still had a steal, still had a couple of good boards and, and, and a few dimes. Uh, but yeah, those sort of role players, you can make a, a point that David Duke was maybe the most impactful uh, and he didn't really score, yeah. but you know, his defense was uh, pretty solid on some of those guards. It was Killian Hayes, Kate Cunningham, you know, Saban Lee, who seemed to look like you know prime little Chamberlain tonight yeah. uh, for certain points. Yeah, uh, outside the, the guys already touched, there wasn't really much that you could really speak about. Yeah, I'd say the guys that played well tonight would be Kevin Durant, Cam Thomas, Nick Claxton, and probably Bruce Brown. I think you'd say solid for LaMarcus, solid for James Johnson, and and Patty Mills. And then the rest of the guys I thought just kind of underwhelmed. And I thought, you know, almost everybody underwhelmed in that second quarter other than Kevin Durant. So good for the team to be able to bounce back from quarter to quarter. I think that's important as well because you we've seen in the past or just watching the NBA, you know, you have a bad quarter, it might lose you the game. The Nets have been able to kind of just do this – you know, flip the switch thing from quarter to quarter where they might be terrible. Then all of a sudden they'll be amazing and just lock the team up defensively. But overall, a win's a win. You would have liked it to come a lot easier. And I think there was an opportunity if they handle that second quarter stretch a little bit better that it is that way. But any final thoughts, Jack? Look, in, in that second quarter, they were still only outscored 33 to 29. Yeah. So it's just like, because the Pistons aren't, you know, as offensively capable, if you do that against bad teams, you are going to get way more uh, punished in, in, in a big, big way. But yeah, it just seemed to me like at times, you know, the in, the important players were like, you know, a, a good five guys meal, you know, quality sort of, you know, basketball compared to like, you know, McDonald's, you know, it was just like, oh, well, you're not giving me much. It's just, it's bugger all. It's making me a little bit ill um, just yeah. looking at it sometimes. So yeah. Um, I've got some good food analogies. Maybe I need to have a bit more, a bit more lunch down here after we get off the pod. But yeah, in saying that, um, history for Kevin Durant, uh, and you know, history in the making for for Cam Thomas. Yeah, and I mean, just don't take these games for granted. You know, Kevin Durant is one of the all-time greats, and it's just a pleasure to watch him wa- uh, play and put up these type of performances. But Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks to everybody listening. And check the buzz on all stream platforms. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.